Welcome to the Covenant. Inner Child. My name is Kawans Lucha. Our first reading comes from The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is recovery. How easy is it to blame our problems on others? Look at what he's doing. Look how long I've waited. Why doesn't she call? If only he changed, then I'd be happy. Often our accusations are justified. We probably are feeling hurt and frustrated. In those moments, we may begin to believe that the solution to our pain and frustration is getting the other person to do what we want or having the outcome we desire. But these self-defeating illusions put the power and control of our life in other people's hands. We call this codependent. The solution to our pain and frustration, however valid, is to acknowledge our own feelings. We feel the anger, the grief, then we let go of the feelings and find peace within ourselves. We know our happiness isn't controlled by another person, even though we may have convinced ourselves it is. We call this acceptance. You know, this is just a great start to a passage because I think it's just so weird how like something that is as unhealthy as codependency is really accepted as normal behavior. And so much of, you know, how to win friends and influence people and things like that and that kind of culture and those kinds of books, which I'm sure there's plenty of good in them, is, is uh, you know, just so focused on kind of getting other people, you know, to do what we want. And, you know, in some moments that can be codependency. And I definitely experienced that thinking if the other person would just do what I want, then life would be perfect. And it just doesn't work that way. Back to the reading. Then we decide that although we'd like our situation to be different, maybe our life is happening this way for a reason. Maybe there is a higher purpose and plan in play. One that's better than we could have orchestrated. Jobs would say you can never connect the dots going forward, only backwards. And you know, yeah, to think of some of the things that I thought were the worst things that could have ever happened really ended up being some of the best. And you know, I'm sure I can think of places I wanted. And anyways. Back to the reading. Then we decide what we need to do, what is within our power to do to take care of ourselves. That's called recovery. It's easy to point our finger at another, but it's more rewarding to gently point at ourselves. And the key word there is gently. Today, I will live with my pain and frustration by dealing with my own feelings. The next one also comes from The Language of Letting Go by Melody Beatty, and the topic is payoffs from destructive relationships. Sometimes it helps to understand that we may be receiving a payoff from a relationships that causes distress. Uh, think of stability, boredom. <laughs> and I, I actually, and the other thing this reminds me of is Julia Cameron in the artist's way talks about this notion of crazy makers. And, you know, that's more on like, almost like it feels like a program to like a recovery program for your creativity. But I think a lot of times associating with crazy makers in that scenario you know, prevents us from making our art, whatever art is defined for you or for me. Anyways, back to the reading. The relationship may be feeding into our helplessness or our martyr role. Maybe the relationship feeds our need to be needed, enhancing our self-esteem by allowing us to feel in control or morally superior to the other person. Some of us feel alleviated from our financial or other kinds of responsibility by staying in a particular relationship. My father sexually abused me when I was a child, said one woman. I went on to spend the next 20 years blackmailing him emotionally and financially on this. I could get money from him whenever I wanted, and I never had to take financial responsibility for myself, end quote. 
Release, realizing that we may have gotten a codependent payoff from a relationship is not a cause for shame. That is an important point. A codependent payoff from a relationship is not a cause for shame. It means we are searching out the block's inner selves that may be stopping our growth. We can take responsibility for the part we may have played in keeping ourselves victimized. When we are willing to look honestly and fearlessly at the payoff and let it go, we will find the healing we've been seeking. We'll also be ready to receive the positive, healthy payoffs available in relationships, the payoffs we really want and need. Today, I will be open to looking at the payoffs I may have received from staying in unhealthy relationships or from keeping destructive systems operating. I will become ready to let go of my need to stay in unhealthy systems. I am ready to face myself. On to strengthening my recovery, and the topic is addiction to excitement. Gossip, dramatic scenes, pending financial failure, or failing health are often the turmoil that adult children create in their lives to feel connected to reality. While such behavior is rarely stated as such, these behaviors are an addiction to excitement or fear. I look at gossip and dramatic scenes, and I think of, you know, I don't think many people really watch politics and feel better um, afterwards, uh, but there is that can definitely be that addiction, pending financial failure, failing health. Anyways, back to the reading. Many of us come into ACA perhaps unaware of the depth of the chaos we've created around us. We felt we were in a fog. We couldn't see our way out of. We didn't consciously cause the chaos. Our behavior resulted from the emotional and perhaps physical chaos we experienced in our childhood dysfunctional, abusive homes. You know, I, I, I also think sometimes like the voices in my head parallel the, you know, the emotional chaos, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional home where there was just a lot of fighting. We learned more about our addiction to excitement that drove us. We began to see how our fear was feeding us. We realized that we needed this inner drugstore to be closed for business. The adrenaline rush that we were not even aware of was blocking any progress. We knew the chaos had to stop. I'm trying to think the opposite of chaos to me would be serenity. Anyways, back to the reading. As we find the answers in our meetings and by talking to others, we begin to nourish ourselves with a healthy program that brings us peace and serenity. There it is. We become committed to change because we've had the pain and anguish and we want to be done with it. We now have the inner radar to see what is coming. And when something feels wrong, we pause as long as we need to. Then we move away. We realize the health of our inner child is at stake. On this day, I will give my inner child and my adult the gift of freedom from fear and unhealthy excitement that we both need and deserve. And this is an important point about the adrenalizing versus the calm and uh, serenity. It's like the difference between like Russell Westbrook and, you know, well, you know, can't. Most of my analogies are sports than Seinfeld, so I apologize. It just doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But, you know, kind of like LeBron or Jimmy Butler in, in the finals, calm, serene, focused, but not super adrenalized. Anyway, oh, and the final topic, wow, is also from Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is hypervigilance. In adult children, PTSD tends to manifest in hypervigilance, compulsive behavior, and hard to detect body sensations. It is as if our bodies have rewired themselves to protect us from severe harm or severe harm that almost occurred. And like, I, I really think that that 
kind of PTSD is why like meditation is really helpful for me. And it probably doesn't have to be the standard meditation, but it's definitely got to be some kind of uh, thing. Anyway, let's get back to breathing. Soldiers learn immediately what hypervigilance means. Watch out, the enemy is close. In our family of origin, we experience hypervigilance on a regular basis. If we didn't watch out, we or someone close might get hurt. Yeah, and I realize that that has carried on with other authority figures. So I'm always kind of act different when there's an authority figure in my room, I mean, around me versus not. And that was, you know, in my family of origin, that was always a big thing. Who's around, you know? Back to the reading. And sometimes, well, we'll let that go. In many of these experiences, we vowed that we'd never do that to our own families. But alas, the lessons were too well taught. Something seems to snap. And it's as if we go into a trance, screaming, belittling, or calling our loved ones' names. We scold, threaten, slam doors, and drive away in a cloud of dust. We push away those we love most. We've become the multi-generational living triggers that cause hypervigilance in our loved ones. When we realized we became the perpetrators, we looked for help in the rooms of ACA. It's in the steps that we identify the root of our hypervigilance. We look at our triggers to try to determine how and where they originated. Triggers derived from our hypervigilance or what makes us inexplicably react, freeze, hold our breath, or shake in our shoes. And this is always in childhood. I just always remember when, you know, basically when my father came home, like I was different, you know, and I stopped watching TV and having fun. And when, you know, when no, when the adults weren't around, um, you know, unfortunately my grandma was always there and that wasn't always pleasant either. But, you know, I just, I just really had to pick or choose my spots. And a lot of times I wonder if I'm really a night owl or if that was an adjustment because when people are sleeping, you know, I was, a, I could be who I wanted to be minus, you know, obviously I had to keep the music down, but anyways, back to the reading. We become the last, the lessons were too well taught. Something seems to snap and it's as if we go into a trance screaming, belittling, or calling our loved ones names. We scold, threaten, slam doors, and drive away in a cloak of dust. We push away those we love most. We've become the multi-generational living triggers that cause hypervigilance in our loved ones. When we realize we've become the perpetrators, we look for help in the rooms of ACA. It's in the steps that we identify the root of our hypervigilance. We look at our triggers to try to determine how and where they originated. Triggers derived from our hypervigilance are what makes us inexplicably react, freeze, hold our breath, or shake in our shoes. As usually, as we learn more, we usually find fear and guilt at our core, and those feelings are often frozen. We bring them to life so we can heal. On this day, I will slow down and breathe deeply. I find myself feeling triggered by the hypervigilant reactions. I can nurture myself through this. And that concludes today's readings. Uh, the only thing I want to ask before I sign off for today's episode is, uh, you know, I love Melody Beatty and I obviously love these readings. I've lately been reading Pia Melody. Uh, she's written a couple of books that I'm, you know, listening uh, to voraciously and reading um, and probably will be rereading. And I just want to throw that out there for the listeners. Uh, one is facing codependence and the other one is facing love addiction. Until next time, this is Kawan Saluja rem reminding myself to pause and breathe. That's where God is. When my breath matches God's breath. To love myself. <laughs>